everybody. Welcome to Made in the 80s, podcast about the 80s by people who were made in the 80s. I'm Shalia, and we have... Tim. What's up? Yep, another week. No Kendon, but he, I believe, will be back next episode today. I, you know, you live with him. I don't know. You probably have a better read on it than I do, but hopefully back next episode. Hopefully. He's hopefully. still... Um, his big his big stressor is done, but he's still got a bit more to do, so yes. we'll see. But boy, did he miss out today. Today is gonna love this. <laughs> I tried to get him to watch it with me. I was like, honey, this is an 80s Steven Seagal. You should want to watch yeah. this movie. And it's his first one. This is his first ever movie. This is his first movie. This is his first live action film. So did, didn't he help create it? Yeah, it's he said this loosely based on his life. First of all, okay, the movie we're talking about is Above the Law from 1988. And I was trying to explain to a, one of our younger critics, God, it's had it been about seven, 10 years ago. Like, because he, he saw Steven Seagal as this joke of a guy on TV. And I had to try to explain to him, like, no, he used to be, like, in his bag. Like, he had a run that was kind of insane. So he had Above the Law, Mark for Death, Hard to Kill, Under Siege. He just was on a run of these kind of, and we'll get into this it, 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 as we talk about the film, but he was such a different, like a stark contrast from what we had seen previously from action stars. So in 88, when this comes out, we've got Die Hard out the same year, um, Mission in Action 3 is, it, is out, one of those movies is out, Rambo's out, um, and, and Raw, uh, Red Heat is out. We haven't done Red Heat yet, but Red Heat is out with Schwarzenegger. These are these big, outside of Die Hard, these big muscle-bound people who are using brute force and these, they're like blunt instruments, right? And then you get Seagal, who's using Aikido, and he's, it looks like he's moving in slow motion. He's throwing people around. He's very calm. He's, he never raises his voice once. And it's just, it's a different kind of look, and it worked. It worked for, it worked for a little bit of time. He had a nice little... Yeah, so he goes above laws 88, hard to kill 90, mark for death is 90, out for justice is 91, under siege is 92, on deadly ground is 94. Then he gets shaky after that. But that kind of run is if you just want to sit down and watch a bunch of brainless action films, you can't get worse than that. You can't get worse than that. (laughs) You can't get worse than that. It's, you know, it's fine. And friends, if you haven't watched it, take a look. It's not a very long film, but it's pretty fun. It's, it's pretty a very fun. good 80s action <laughs> situation. Oh, yeah. It's it's a full-blown 80s action film. But they're making this guy a star. Mm-hmm. Make him a star. Make him a star. So we will talk about it in a little bit. I will put the timestamp in the show notes. But first, Tim, what is the 411? Um, not a whole lot is going on. Um, we're getting a Witcher season two coming out very shortly. That's on the horizon. Um, movies are kind of back. That's kind of a thing that's been happening since the last time we talked. Um, I know oftentimes we discuss what would happen, you know, post pandemic, but it seems that they're making a big push to get people back in theaters with the way they're pushing Fast 9, the way they're pushing Black Widow. These are like these tentpole films that they want to happen. So that's that's kind of dominating the news. There's not a whole lot of movie news, not a whole lot of film news coming out. Um, 
mostly just trailers for stuff. There's the new HBO Max movie with um, Wolverine. I keep calling him Wolverine, but you know. Uh, it looks trippy. It's like a trippy sci-fi film. That looks cool. Um, Chris Pratt has his Alien Invasion movie coming out. There's another invasion movie on a- Apple TV coming out about the, an alien invasion <clears throat> that's shown from like different perspectives. There's a lot coming. It's we're ramping up, and it, it's it's weird because it's been such a, a while since we've been in this space, but it's exciting to kind of feel a bit of normalcy back in day to day life. Yeah, I gotta say it. Um, like I'm not gonna go to theater for all of these, but I love yeah. that there are gonna be options, and it is exciting to have some of the things that I loved before COVID survive, <laughs> right. including the movies. So this right. is wonderful. Oh, and there's also, this is the big news I've had, like, noted. I was looking for my note. There's a trailer for the Masters of the Universe Revelation, the new He-Man show on Netflix from Kevin Smith, I think. It looks, I don't know if you saw the, the Transformers reboots they did. It looks similar to that, but uh, it looks fun. It looks fun. It reminds me of the time I was at Starbucks and had this He-Man Masters of the Universe shirt on. And the barista was like, oh, that's cool. I was like, thanks. He was like, is that a new show? I was like, come on. <laughs> nah, it's not, a, it's not a new show, man. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah it's not a new show, buddy. You I, made like, me feel old. <laughs> yeah, you made me feel like a dinosaur. He's like, is that a new show? I was like, no, nah, it's not a new show, man. I felt old officially when one of our former coworkers was like, why are you so sad? And it was the day Luke Perry died. And I... yeah said it and she had no idea who I was talking about <laughs> like I ended up using a Riverdale reference and she got it from that that okay yeah I forgot about that yeah yeah so I was like oh I am I'm officially up there um well so speaking of kind of remakes there mm-hmm. are two that we've been talking about right there's Christine yes Christine's coming <laughs> and we just did that just in time so yeah. wonderful and then there's Turner and Hooch. Yeah, I forgot about that. Yes, Turner and Hooch. I loved Turner and Hooch. That is your thing. We're gonna do. We're gonna apparently do an episode for Turner and Hooch. Obviously, before when this new show is it July that airs. Uh, let me look. In July. Um. Yeah, July fifteenth. July. Maybe 15th. maybe Turner and Hooch should be our next week episode. I'm down for it. Okay, we go from like cop in Chicago, Steven Seagal, too. <laughs> a cop and his dog. <laughs> yeah, the, let's do it. The Christine one is it's interesting because I, I don't know like how they're going to do it. Do you That's stick classic car, the, the Christine car, and it's just a reboot? By the way, Turner Hooch is available on Disney Plus if you want to watch it. Um, do you just stick with the classic that Chrysler that they use and the music, or do you try to update it? I don't know if you remember that movie Upgrade. There's a scene in Upgrade where they take control of the smart car and it, it kind of turns evil. I don't know if they're gonna go that route. Um, kind of, it's kind of similar to what they did with the Chucky reboot, where Chucky is a malfunctioning AI and not necessarily possessed by a spirit. You know what I mean? So I don't know how they're going to do it. If I was them, I would just stick to the script. And it's just happening today. I mean, smart cars, though, 
cars that drive themselves. Yeah. I, I think it's hard not to use yeah. current tech. Yeah. But I think what, what, what made Christine interesting was that the kind of car it was, which made him stand out. It's this cherry red, like, that's what made it cool. So I think if you could do that, that would be cool. But I'm interested. I, I like it. I don't even know who's making it, who's making the reboot. Remind me. So it was like a 30-year-old car, right? Yeah. So a 30-year-old car now that would stand out, like if, it, if they do current day it. Ooh. What, what, like, 90s, like, we're doing like some Acura. Like, oh, like an Escalade? An Acura <laughs> legend rolling around is possessed in the hood. Got the six disc changer in the back. Yeah, why not? So the tweet uh, that I had seen about it says it is going to be from Hannibal creator Brian Fuller. Love Hannibal. And Hannibal is dark. You've never watched. You watch, you watch Hannibal. Yeah, I've much. been in the same room when Kendon's watching it, but I try not to pay attention. Here's the thing about Hannibal. It's not scary. It's just really dark. Like, some of the subject matter. That's, and they don't rely on jump scares, and it's, Matt Mickelson is fantastic in it, and, like, I would highly recommend it if you're a fan of the character or Silence of the Lambs. Like, it's probably one of my favorite adaptations outside of the original Silence of the Lambs. But, yeah, I would, yeah. If he's doing it, then cool. Um, yeah, it'll be. He'll do a solid. It's gonna job. be fun. It'll be yeah. fun. I mean, fun is, you know. I mean, it's Christine. She couldn't go down the stairs, or up the stairs. Oh, what was it? Someone was running away, and it was like, jump up there. She can't. Yeah, it was that guy when it, when they're in like the industrial part, and he's like hiding, and then like Christine squeezes between and crushes. I'm like, dude, just hop over the car. Like, what are you doing? Oh my god. I never been chased by a deadly car. Not sure how I would react. Not gonna judge him. Not gonna judge him. Maybe he's, you know. That's that's, how, that's what happens when you're chased by a car. My favorite scene though is when Christine is on fire. That whole that shot is just a beautiful shot. Mm-hmm. It's Christine on fire. It's everything is black, and it's this shot of Christine, and this guy's running, and you see like the flames get closer. It is Chef's kiss. This is a great shot. It's a great shot. It is. <laughs> it really is. All right, any more 411? That's it. Okay, what have you been up to? It's been a couple weeks. I've been watching a lot of stuff. First of all, I haven't watched Lupin yet. I told my friend I had a way to watch it with her, but I'm struggling at this moment to not watch Lupin. Um, I'm looking forward to Lupin season two. Did you watch season one? I don't think so. Lupin's fantastic. Wait, what is Lupin? It's based on this 1960 manga and like there was like an anime, but it's about this... um, gentleman thief named lupin the third and this one is uh, omar c's in it and he plays lupin and the first season was him sort of being this gentleman thief it, the first episode was the score they're running and then it tells a more intricate story about him and his life and how he got to this point and what his end goal is and the, the end of season one ended on like such a cliffhanger that i'm excited to see where it picks up in season two so it's great um loki did you watch loki Sure did. So I wake up last Sunday morning to an email from Disney. Two episodes of Loki. You got two? Two episodes. Now, I will tell you this, but I'm going to spoil anything. Episode one is kind of setting the standard. It's this beautifully shot, very 70s motif in the TVA. They're kind of explaining the rules of the world, right? You've got Loki. There's some time travel involved. There's variants. 
Kaimi, whatever the, the time clock lady, like explains how the variants work. It's all this setup, and it ends. Cut. Time out. Spoiler for those who haven't watched the first episode yet. And it ends with Mobius telling Loki the variant we're chasing is you. Wait, this is a spoiler. Spoiler for those who haven't watched the first episode yet. Oh, my bad. Sorry. Sorry if you haven't watched it, but the second episode gets way into like how this time stuff works. And it is super fun. And like I had a moment watching episode two and I was like, this is super and like it's interesting where they're going, and there's so much they can do in this space that I'm excited to see how they play with it. Like, and that since after watching episode two, I went back and looked at some of the images and the trailer, and I was like, oh, they're doing a lot of, they're gonna do a lot of very cool stuff that I think fans, and it's gonna be fun. And it's gonna be like, Tom Hiddleston's fun. He's funny. He's, you know, that whole bit with the Infinity Stones was funny, but like, and then there's, and it has these moments, like that moment at the end when he's looking at the screen and he's going through his thing. I thought was super interesting because it's like, well, if that was you and you got to see this, like, how would you react? What would your reaction be? This is killed, like, you killed your mom. Yeah. He's seeing how his life plays out. Because the Loki that we get is a Loki that's in Avengers. He's this vengeful Loki who's hell bit on, on getting this Infinity Stone and He's working for Thanos. Like, that's the guy. And he has to see how things play out. And it's, it's yeah. It's, they're very smart. Whatever's, whoever's running that, Feige and them folks, kudos to them. Yeah, I liked when he was like, not guilty. The Avengers are messing around with time. You should be going right. after them. I was like, yeah. that's true. You know what? Uh, let me give me some people. We can go round them up. Like, he's just... And I'm like, oh, yeah, this is the Loki from 2012. <laughs> You are not friends with them. You're Thor's brother, and you are. That's it. Like I like when Mobius told him, like, because Epsil's called like a glorious purpose or something, right? Mm-hmm. And he thinks he has this glorious purpose, and then Morbius, Morbius is like, dude, you're that's not your purpose. Your purpose is to like be mischievous, cause de- like destruction, and like raise other people to be the heroes they need to be. Like that's your job. That's it. It's not, it's nothing else. You don't win. Yeah. You're not here to win. Like you're here to make these people heroes. That's your role in life. That's it. That's the position you play. And it was just really cool to see them approach it like that. Right. And these things who for 20 years, these infinity stones we've been watching for 10 plus years, it's distinct be, be paperweights. Like it'd be just like not important. It's funny. And it's the way that they, they can take something that we've, obsessed over and sort of turn it on his head and say, yeah, well, it doesn't mean anything in this space. And here's, and here's how, here are the new rules we're working with. So yeah. Uh, I love it. Yeah, I love it. I love it. And so I recently was back in the theaters at a movie theater for a screening. I watched In the Heights. It's Lin-Manuel Miranda's play from 2005. I can admit to you, not, I'm not a big musical person. Like I like Chicago. I liked Moulin Rouge. You like Moana? I like Moana. The Disney stuff, I don't really count. That's Disney. Like, it's fine. But, like, that whole, like, I'm singing, like, I wouldn't got a pizza. Do you want a Coca-Cola? Like, I don't, that doesn't jive with me. 
However, In the Heights is such a feel-good movie. And there are moments, it's directed by John Chu, who did Crazy Rich Asians. He just does a phenomenal job making the stage play feel like this massive blockbuster film. It's incredible how he does it. But there are two sequences that I absolutely love. There's one called 96,000. It's about a $96,000 lottery ticket. And the other one, I'm going to mispronounce it because it's in Spanish. But it's, uh, I think her name is Olga Mendez. She kind of just, she's the older woman in the film who's like the, the mother of this Washington Heights. And she carries this whole sequence by herself. And it's this beautiful song about immigrating from Cuba, coming to New York and working as a maid and living people, living people, allowing people to live their dreams. And like, it's a beautiful song and so well executed that when you said what I was, that's what I was watching. I was like, just watching it again. When we recorded, Shalia <laughs> was like, what are you watching? I was like, I'm watching it in the heights. But I was just watching it again to be like, okay, I watched it. And then I listened to it on the soundtrack. And I was like, what am I, am I tripping? Was this really good? And I was like, yes, it's just this incredible, like a beautiful piece of music in the way they, transition from like Cuba in the 1940s to like current day New York is. You'll see it, you'll probably cry, but it's fantastic. Um, it's cheesy as these movies tend to be. There are moments like, oh, there's a love story. But um, one last thing, Anthony Ramos, who plays the lead in it, who plays Navi, is a, he's a star, like legit. Like you've seen him in Hamilton, he's a legit star like he's he's the lead and i was like he's got to get some more stuff to do that that kid can he can act he can he can dance he can do he can do it all so i hope i'm sure people will like it it's on hbo max now it's streaming it's tons of fun if that's what you're into it sounds like it's for me right i love cheesy you're gonna cry yeah so here's my question for you tim so musicals Mm -hmm. there are uh, probably the ones that i've liked the best i have listened to the music and gotten familiar with the music before i go so les mis phantom of the opera oh i like les mis i mean i like les mis too yeah so i'm just wondering like should i start listening to the soundtrack before i watch it no no you think this is a one to experience in real time but go you will go back and listen to the soundtrack after it's done Okay. I will say, so uh, <laughs> I did some babysitting recently with my five-year-old niece. And actually, Tim, you're aware because we, she came and took the Club South End studio and decided to record a bit. Um, but we were just trying to kind of distract her as we were on our way home. And so we started playing Les Mis and then Founder of the Opera. And it got her. She was like, <laughs> it got her. <laughs> it's so good. This is pretty, it's mostly not kid friendly. Like if you have an older kid, there's like one little joke in the barbershop. It's like a sexual innuendo, but outside of that, it's colorful and fun and cute. And But is it emotional? Yes. Okay. Not that's, that's the you, thing. Emotional for you, for sure. Okay. You yeah. love family. That's always going to get you. It's going to get the family stuff is going to get you. Speaking of family, I have some comments about our movie today, but I'm going to hold that till later. Nico? You didn't like Nico and how he, his family? What he do for his cousin? Mm-hmm. I have a lot to say about Nico. Okay, so what have you been watching? <laughs> I, 
I've been I've been watching a lot. I've been up to a lot. So first of all, Kenan, when he returns, I will let him do his glory of talking about his project. But friends, you will remember two years ago around this time, Kenan was back from sending his experiments up to the National Space Station and he's done it again. So I just got back from visiting him in Florida where we got to see the SpaceX 22 launch and take his science great. back up. Yeah, it was really cool. It was also in the daytime, which is nice because the first one was at night. So we got a we got a mixture there. So that was awesome. And it also <laughs> segues into my what am I doing because I went on the airplane for the first time since COVID and I went to Florida and back. So airplane movies. I got to see oh. Bad Boys for Life. Yes. I actually watched it twice because I watched it and then Kendon decided to watch a movie and he chose that one. So we watched it together. Oh no, he, he gave up. He actually couldn't make it. Where did he stop? The thumb drive. I think the thumb drive, he said, I can't do this. That was, that was his moment of like, I can't. <laughs> yep. Too much for me. I can't. So he, <laughs> we didn't finish it the second time, but uh, so enjoyed that. And then I watched a movie called Miss Juneteenth. Yes. With, um, Who's in it? What's her name? Um, I can see her face, and she's one of my favorite actresses, and I'm, I'm spacing on her name. I know a lot of the faces in this movie, but I don't know any of their names. Uh, hold on, look it up. Go ahead, talk about it. Um, yeah, it was fun. It was also funny, because I don't know when it came out. It was just happened to be one of the options on the plane, and it seems... Okay. Okay. So I was like, it seems perfect, because in Washington, Juneteenth is now a state paid state holiday starting next year, and Okay. We're going to get to celebrate Juneteenth next week. So it seemed timely. So it's it's Nicole Bahari. She's gorgeous. She's gorgeous. You remember her. She was in 42, Jackie Robinson's wife. Um, the first time I saw her or remember seeing her was in Shame. She's good. She's great in Shame. Um, yeah, Nicole Bahari. Yeah. So that was interesting. And I <laughs> and just fun. I'm like, oh, Juneteenth, this, this works. So watch that. Enjoyed it. And then I also watched the new 2020 version of The Witches, which was also entertaining. Yeah. Did you watch it, Tim? I did. It was okay. What, watching on an airplane was probably the, the call, <laughs> the right call for us. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so that's that's what I that's what I've been watching in addition to Loki. Um, and then the other thing is, so the last time we talked, I was really close to finishing my MCU watch, timeline watch. Mm -hmm. I am halfway through Endgame and I find myself like watching slowly. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you still have a couple of things after Endgame though. Well, so after Endgame, it's like Spider Man. I, well, first it's WandaVision, then Winter uh, Falcon the Winter Soldier, then Spider Man, then Loki, I think. I think that's how it goes, but they're just kind of like adding to it as it goes. But here's my question based on Loki first episode, because yeah. I'm watching that and I am extremely confused based on where we left Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. I'm like, I don't, I don't, I don't understand how this all fits. I don't get it. And You'll so I'm it. wondering. It'll, it'll, it'll make sense. You'll get okay. Because I was like, you know, I never factored in Endgame into how we ended Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. So I was wondering if Endgame somehow reset or changed some of the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. stuff to uh, to fix it. <laughs> okay. They will. 
Okay. <laughs> that makes me feel better. I was having a real hard time and Kenan didn't see any of Agents of Shield, so I don't I I'm like I don't know. <laughs> I have so many questions. Sure. No one to talk to about it, Tim. Okay, cool. So I'll wait for episode two, which I probably, like, you know us, we like to wait until uh, everything's like, out. Make a few episodes and then watch it. Okay. Yeah. So I, it's probably going to be a while before we get to get to the others, but it's going to be good. I'm, I'm in, I, I really enjoyed the first one. So, okay. Anything else that you've been up to before we move back to the eighties? No. All right. Let's go with some trivia. All right. Trivia it is. Ooh. In The Shining, what does Jack's wife discover? He has creepily typed over and over and over with his typewriter. All work and no play makes Jack a dull boy. How perfect, because that it was quoted in today's movie. It was. Direct it was. quote. I was like, whoa, you just used the exact quote. <laughs> it's one of my favorite scenes in that whole film, too. It's good. Because I, I don't think she, at that point, I don't think she knows he's crazy, crazy. And when she looks at the thing he's been typing, and that's all he's typing, it's this huge stack of paper. Like, that's crazy. And he, then he, like, walks in behind her. Oh, it's a great scene. Then he chases her with an axe, and it gets crazier. Yeah. But that's the moment of, oh. That's the moment of, like, oh, he's crazy. And you're alone with him. <laughs> yeah, we're stuck on this, this hotel in the mountain with him. And my kid is somewhere around here. Yeah. yeah, you can't just dip. You have to try yeah, to take your kids with you. <laughs> there was um, one of our old coworkers had a baby with her in a tent in some sort of wilderness land place um, where she, I think, had stepped outside for a second, came back in, and there was some kind of huge snake, like oh, big, shit. big snake. And she screamed and ran away. Left the baby. Left her baby in the tent. Wow. I'm like, oh, I, I, don't, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know what she'd do about that. Yeah, all these stories about moms lifting cars and like fighting off bears. And she was just like, I'm out of here. Yeah, she just ran. I, I, hopefully she ran to get help to save her baby. Let's say she ran to get help. The baby did survive. So we know that it. Everybody's alive. Everyone's alive. But she can't live that down. I think she will always remember what she did. Okay. What computer debuted in January 1984, launching with a legendary TV commercial reminiscent of Orwell's 1984? Is that the Mac? Yes, it is. Mm -hmm. All right. What Mexican food is also the name of the singer who had a hit with Putting on the Ritz in 1983? I don't know. Who was that? Taco. <laughs> right. Yeah. I didn't know this existed. I don't even know that was a name. I know that song, though. This person, Taco. <laughs> That's really funny. Yeah. All right. Who played Mars Blackman in Nike commercials of the 80s? Spike Lee. Nice. I didn't remember these happened in the 80s, but I kind of yep. recall them. Yep. Which Japanese gaming company released Alex Kidd in Miracle World? Ooh. Don't know. I think you have like a 50-50 chance. I don't know. Who was it? <laughs> it's Sega. 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 All right. That card is done. I think we killed it considering you were the only one coming up with the answer. You know, <laughs> there was no Kendon this week. <laughs> Decent. All right. Let's get to Above the Law. You guys think you're above the law. You're in above mine. 
Nico. Okay, this is Above the Law, 1988, starring Steven Seagal, directed by Andrew Davis. Does, does, does that name sound familiar to you? No. He directed The Fugitive. He directed Ooh. He reconnected with Seagal later on under season 92. He directed The Guardian, um, Holes, Collateral Damage, uh, that, that Schwarzenegger movie that got postponed around 9-11 because it was about a terrorist group that blew up a federal building and he's a firefighter that goes to fight him. And then, so this movie's in the can and then like 9-11 happens. And then like, we're like, we can't put this out. So it got pushed to like early, like the next year. Um, anyway, so that's Above the Law, it stars. Steve Seagal is Nico, tells Toscani. Pam Greer plays Dolores, his, um, or Jax, his partner. Henry Silva, Ron Dean, David Feraldo. Did you recognize Sharon Stone? Yeah. Sharon Stone is in it. Um, and Gregory Allen Williams, who's the FBI agent. Um, so this movie is about Nico, who, can we be honest, Nico's a terrible cop. Yes, we can be honest. <laughs> so Nico is violating people's civil rights at every turn. And this doesn't seem to care about it. There's a scene later in the movie where they, they tell Nico they want his gun to his badge, right? This comes up in every cop movie. But the, we're led to believe in the story that these feds and whoever are planning this stuff on Nico because he's he's putting his nose where it shouldn't be, right? Mm -hmm. But the stuff that they charge him with is correct. He's doing all of this stuff. And it is illegal. Like, now, in fairness... Yeah. We don't actually see him do real police work. We see him no. go protect his cousin or however protect. he's related to Lucy. Yeah. And then we see this like crazy plot of a situation that the movie's based on. So we don't yeah. actually see how he works as a cop. Like, No idea. <laughs> no idea how he works as a cop. So, anyway, so the movie starts with Nico telling like this voiceover about how he lives in Japan and Tata Kido and beat up all these Japanese kids. Real story. Yeah. I paused because it was like baby pictures. Yeah. And then that. And then like a picture of him studying True story. when I was 17. And I was like, wait, is this a documentary? And I actually paused to yeah. check to make sure. <laughs> he did do that, right? He was like a 10th belt Aikido. Like that's part is true. The other part is like he goes to Vietnam. Like a lot of these films in the 80s were dealing with guys coming home from Nam who were like absolute badasses. So Nico's one of those guys. But while in Nam, he's working with the CIA and they've got this covert group and they're like torturing the shit out of this guy. And Nico's like, not on my watch and like breaks it up. And so instead of killing Nico on the spot, he just, Nico just wanders off into the wilderness. Well, his friend Nelson helps him. Fox, yeah. Fox, Fox. Fox. Says, Fox. I'm gonna so, get you out of here. Yeah. But he just wanders off. The next scene is Nico christening his kid in Chicago or wherever, right? Christening his kid and He's now trying to find, so the setup is he's trying to find his cousin who's at a dive bar with a pimp, I assume, who's got her on drugs. Shows up. No idea. Yeah, and he's like abusing this kid dude. And the dude talks about my favorite quote, that he has a coke lawyer. <laughs> he's got a coke lawyer who knows about this big drug deal that's going down. So Nico takes the information, tries to bust this deal. But as he's busting the deal, the feds show up and they're they're fumbling feds and they fumble the thing, but 
doing this whole fumbling of, of, the, of the arrest, Nico finds C4, like these little sticks of C4. Question. Yeah. Why are the feds there? It's a very, I think, are they protecting this deal? This never really explained why they're there. Okay. So Nico finds the C4. In front of Nico, they just let these guys go. And Nico's like, what is this? They're like, stay out of it, blah, blah, blah. Nico's pissed. Decides to keep doing some unsanctioned, unmonitored thing he's doing where he's following these guys. And then that's when he gets caught. And it made me, I have a question for you, right? So there's this scene when he's laying in bed with his wife and his buddy calls and says, hey, they're going to come kill you, essentially. And his wife is like, who was it? And he, like, lies to his wife. He doesn't try to get them anywhere safe. He doesn't, like, go to your mom's house in the cabin in Wyoming. He's like, oh, he just was drunk. <laughs> he, he told you people were coming to murder you. That is where he lost me. That is like when I started <laughs> taking notes and being like, fuck this guy. Like, yeah. dude, we just saw you like in terms of this time um, yeah. period, we started with your tiny little baby. Yeah. Like you have a baby and a wife and a mom and other family, but you took them to a church because you were under, like you wanted to know what was going on. I'm like, you brought your baby somewhere where there was a bomb. Like, what are you doing? Um, that, that on its own. And she, cause I didn't realize they don't go to church every Sunday. Like she's like, why were we at church? I'm like, Oh my God. Like you go, don't take her and don't take your baby. He's like, I'm, so, not, I'm not alone. My whole family's going to die. Like that's his plan. He's just like, I, I want to know what's going on and I'm going to bring them as my cover. Like, I don't, and so there, it, there's that. And then, there yeah. It's definitely the scene where he says, get down. And like, saves his family. Like, that's the only purpose. No, yeah. And then, and to, for them to be traumatized. Yeah. Um, but, and yeah, so then now we're in, we're, yeah, nighttime in bed. And this guy from CIA warns him and says, get your family somewhere safe. Why wouldn't you get your family? I mean, you don't have to tell her what's going on. You can just be like. We, I need to take you somewhere. Like, no, he plays it off and then doesn't protect them at all. Like, leaves this be for quite some time. So there's there's a couple scenes that are absolutely insane to me. The, the second one is towards the end of the film, right? But, but where we're at now is a scene where these guys, the shootout, they're chasing him. The big shootout in the street. They've got him, his car surrounded. And they are riddling his car with bullets. It's, it's Swiss cheese. But he somehow sneaks around the back of the car, not one scratch, and he gets the drop on five guys. And no one decides to shoot him. They all quietly put their guns down. He has a handgun. And these dudes have semi-automatic weapons. And they all put their guns down. One guy makes a move and he kills him. Yep, that yeah. happens. And there's, there's, oh, don't forget there's all these kids, school kids crossing. Yeah. Hi, Nico. Yeah. Oh my God. Hold on, I'm gonna murder somebody. I'll be right back. So when the police come, he runs because he's just he's just he's not a cop anymore at this point. He just murdered someone in the street. He's a vigilante, he's a killer. The other funny scene is he this and this was a staple in Steven Seagal films, right? Moving forward, where he's this mild-mannered guy and the guy causes trouble. It's when Steven Seagal is roughing up the guy and says, like, I'm gonna kill you in your kitchen or something crazy. Um but the guy says, hey, that's my buddy. And he walks over. And Seagal's like, hey, I don't want any problems. And the guy's like, ah! And he just, like, punches this in the stomach and, like, 
And he walks by those black guys. Like, hey, man, what's going on? What's going on, Slick? No one, no problems. Like, th- that scene, like, repeats itself in Mark for Death, Out for Justice. It's just hard to kill. It just, these moments where he's so chill that someone wants to start some smoke and he just quietly dispatches them and keeps on about his day. It was fascinating because it's so different than the other heroes we had at that point, these other action stars. He doesn't use his gun a lot. It's a lot of slow hand-to-hand combat. He's just, he's like flipping people and throwing them. Like, it looks like someone practicing gymnastics and not like an action movie. Yeah, well, I mean, but like even, even the action that we see like Daredevil, like yeah. it's not even all of that. Like it's not a whole lot of movements or flips yeah. or it like, it's, it's bizarre. It's like, a, it's like a very light Zumba class. Like, <laughs> not a lot. He barely broke a sweat. It's and- effective. I was actually like, is this proper use of force? Like, I'm just going to do this thing and yeah. and you're down. I, and like, he does kill a couple people, but in the beginning, he's not really, it didn't seem like he's like. He wasn't out for murder. Right. Or like even roughing people up more than he needed to to stop them or do whatever he needed. And I was like, is this, I, I don't know. It's, it's, it was bizarre to see. So he, he keeps on, despite his bosses taking his badge and his gun, he keeps on this investigation, which leads to a big shootout where Pam Greer gets shot. A lot of- lot Saw of, that coming. He was so protective uh, of her. Yeah, she was like, she does the thing where she's like leaving the department in a week. Like, oh, that's, you might as well wear a jacket with the bullseye. Like, <laughs> I'm leaving the department in a week and I'm going to start a new, a new. And he's like, Good for you, buddy. She survives. But um, so Nico gets it's a big shootout in like a parking garage. And he gets kidnapped by what's the main bad guy's name? I don't even know. Yes, it was hold on, it was so ridiculous. Um, Zagon. Yes. So Zagon has got him kidnapped. Instead of just shooting him like he would do, he's like giving him true serum. He has him like zip tied to a chair and he's giving him true serum. I don't know if it's some CIA spook thing they're doing, but he's got true serum. Well, hold on. This truth serum is introduced when he's in Vietnam and they say, have you ever seen chemical interrogation? Yeah. But it's like, is it just truth serum because he kills people with it? Like, does he yeah. just put so much in them that they it overdose on truth So much serum? truth that I've died. Like, I was very confused about, I've never thought of truth serum as, like, this deadly thing. Like, oh, like a poison. Like, I thought it was supposed to make me drug and I tell the truth, and then I wake up, and I'm, like, not yeah. die in this chair. Like, I just watched Ant-Man and the Wasp. Yeah. That's what I think of for truth serum. So, what ends up happening is, like, it doesn't work on Nico, and they don't explain why. Is he, like, a superhero? That's like, literally what I said. Because he just, like, hulks up, breaks the top, and, like, murders everybody in that room. No explanation why all of us, like, why Nico is immune yeah. to this. It doesn't work on him. He just kills everybody. I'm like, was he so smart that, like, he, it wouldn't work? Or is, is he mentally strong? He's just, just so tough. Akito, yeah, he's so tough. He beats, he kills everyone in that room. No one gets to drop on him. And none of that makes sense. There's just, like, four or five people in there. And then it cuts to him telling, like, the truth about his time in Vietnam and the CIA. He's like, he, all of a sudden, he's a whistleblower. To Miss Jackson of the Fifth Circuit Court, I'm like, what? 
like a judge? Are you just talking to a judge in your living room? And why are he calling her miss? Yeah. Or is this like a a prosecutor in Fifth Circuit? That's Texas. That's not like, yeah. I'm so confused. It is on this weird shot of like the Capitol. Is it the White House or Capitol building? I don't remember. I'm assuming Capitol building because it had a lot to do with Congress. Some of these people think they're above the law. I was like, what is this? Is it now some political statement about people in our government who think they're above the law? And it's just like this wide shot of the Capitol building, like down the street and like the credits come. And I was like, what? I mean, that is what this movie is. This yeah. movie is very 80s. And it's funny that you say Die Hard came out around the same time because this is a very like specific period of time where you have skepticism and suspicion of the government and like the higher ups and it's not everybody but like the cia and you have some good politicians but you also have all this like corrupt stuff happening right um, I mean, the cold war is obviously hanging over everything at this time mm -hmm. and it's all in the aftermath of vietnam yes yeah. so you've got right. folks who've been there and it's 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 big business in the 80s and corporations starting to take hold and uh, the fbi being kind of impotent basically like think about the what was like one of my favorite lines in um die hard is like you asked for a miracle and i gave you the fbi <laughs> yeah. right it's all of this like here's our moment to shit on the fbi yeah in this film they're corrupt they don't do anything of anything positive in this film other than getting nico's way and nico is a criminal he's a murderous police officer he abuses people Every 10 seconds. He beats up the guy in the hotel with his cousin. He beats up the guys early on for just being slightly rude to him. He just, and he feels well with his right to be like, I'm going to break your arm. And he's a cop. And he's not that good at it. That was the other part. I was like, how are we following this? I've seen a lot of detective movies or cop movies figuring out something. And like, granted, this plot is extremely convoluted. But I feel like you're not being as efficient as you could be in he's figuring like a, this he's, out. He's a pit bull the whole movie. Yes. He doesn't do any detective work. He's like, you're a bad guy. I'm going to jump on the roof of your car and strangle you until you pull over. Yeah. He says something rude to me. I'm going to break your arm. I'm going to threaten to come to your house and murder you. I'm going to shoot you because I felt like you made a bad move. I'm going to kill all these people in this room because I can. And, and it's just supposed with him at the beginning being this righteous guy doesn't want to interrogate somebody because it's the wrong thing to do. And he spends the, the next 90 minutes doing the wrong thing every chance he got. And the point was he like, I'm a cop. Let me not pull out my, let me not use a keto and throw you through a window. He's a bully. Well, that's the interesting thing, right? Because so the christening is the opener for like this period of time, like current day. And the party at his house afterwards there's comments right i thought it was an effective i guess it's that what you call exposition where they're just like telling you yeah <laughs> i thought it was good i was like okay yeah i could see this conversation happening at a at our gathering like this but being like he's a cop and also his family is a whole bunch of criminals and so all like, it's yeah this is nuts. i mean so that fit funny to me to be fair is this your first steven seagal movie no, I was going to ask you yours. My first Steven Seagal is Under Siege, and I loved that movie. Marked for Death. So much. Marked for Death. Well, Marked that was that was the third one? Yeah. Where it was him against Screwface. I don't even think I've seen that. 
Oh, you haven't seen that with the horrible Jamaicans and the horrible Jamaican accents? No, I definitely haven't seen that. <laughs> oh, Marford Death is, yeah. Under Siege was, um, I saw it, like, at the time it came out. It left a mark on me. <laughs> yeah. I always remember when he stabs what's-his-face in the top yeah. of his head and his eyes pop out. And I'm like, I didn't know that would happen. And then his statement of, safest place on this boat is behind me or whatever yeah. <laughs> and i like i use like Jerry Busey's in it um yes jones plays the bad guy what's her name the girl who was in it um was she from baywatch oh maybe um, i can picture her but i don't what's know her name? she was like the it girl at the time <laughs> yeah to follow him around and scream yeah. <laughs> The entire time, all she does is remember because she hops out the cake and nobody's there. And that was like the scene. Mm-hmm. She like in the cake. Yeah, she's in the cake. And then yeah, safest place place is behind me. I'm like, what if somebody comes up? And I'm like, oh, I see. You you confront everybody and you take them all down. The other fun thing was um, on Deadly Ground was filmed in Leavenworth, and so that was like a favorite one, just because it was hometown. Hometown. <laughs> It's a fun one, though. Yeah. Did you find her? Uh, yeah, I can't find her name. Like, it's weird that she's not listed on here. That is odd. Oh, let me see. The Erica. Tom Joe music. Yeah, it was Erica Aliniak. She was a Playboy playmate. That's why she was. That, that was like the big reveal for her. That's what she was like, the it girl. Yeah. She was a playmate. And she didn't do anything else after that. Oh, no, yep. And she was, she was Baywatch. She was Shawnee on Baywatch. There we go. I was like, yeah, she was a Baywatch girl. And she was, she was, um, she was in it. <laughs> Such a weird movie. Did you see part two? No. Yeah, part two. It's got more chest than in it. It's fantastic. I, I need to check it out. I mean, that's the thing about Steven Seagal. It's like, he's not good, but. <laughs> yeah. It's like almost a guilty pleasure. Like I enjoy his movies. Not good. He's not he's not good. He's not it's not fun. It's just these movies seem to they fit into this formula that kind of just works. You can plug anybody in. He just, you know. And he's it's it's a it's unique thing, like you've been saying about the other action movies and like other cop movies at the time, right? Like this is different. Different. (laughs) Which is cool. We need that. Yeah. Uh okay, so do you want to have, like, do you have any other topics that you want to hit for this movie? Okay. So tell me what your favorite thing about this movie is. It's got to be Nico. He's just an unhinged, crazy. And it reminds me of, like, all of the propaganda we use through media to, about police. Like, this is terrible police work. He's violating people's rights, and he's the hero. And he's the hero. And at the end, the senator says, we're going to get those other bad guys. Yeah. He doesn't like, hey, man, when you weren't a cop, when you weren't deputized to protect and serve, you murdered a few people, bro. And I just need you to talk to us about this. None of that happens. He's the hero. That's what my favorite part. It's me. Uh, Go ahead. After he actually does send his family away to be protected, then he's having some kind of meal with them. And... Sharon Stone is just kind of looking at him, and I actually said, "I was like, it's okay if you're thinking about divorce. Like, yeah, you don't have to stay with this guy. Yeah. Like, 
He's gonna get me killed. Um, without telling me. Yeah, without telling me. <laughs> my life is in danger. And my our baby. And we'll take you to a church where there might be a bomb. Or we know there's at least something happening. Yeah, we know something's happening at this church, but we're, I, I need to go check it out. Like he wasn't even undercover. He was just being Nico. Yeah, I just thought they belonged there until she asked the question, why were we in church why today? And I'm like, what? What? Oh, she's the, he's the worst. Okay, so the one thing I wanted to, I, I've kind of referenced it, but the plot itself mm-hmm. is, in my opinion, necessarily complicated. You need yeah. big, bad CIA people yeah. who want to basically be extra violent and torture people. That above the law. That are above the law. And then you have, so that's what you have. But in order for us to get to that, we have to have them torturing people in other countries and a priest knowing about it and like refugees escaping to a church here. Yeah. So that we can find them at the church. And then you're going to go after the priest. Oh, because you want to kill a senator who... Yeah. Thinks that you're too violent, CIA. Yeah, we, we forgot the whole plot to kill a senator. That's just even, I forgot this even in there. There's a plot to kill a senator. I mean, and that's the thing. That is the thing they're worried about. If you told anybody about our plan to kill a senator, we can't kill him. Did you tell anyone? Yeah. And like, and the, like the this people, is all about killing a senator? Yeah, the people who are going to kill a senator are his old buddy from Nam, who were part of that covert operation. It's the same guys. They're still hanging out. Murder stuff around the world, apparently. One of them got a lot of white hair in the meantime, but his face looks the same. What a what a crazy film. But I did. I laughed at this plot. Like, yeah. what? It's ridiculous. <laughs> yes. It is ridiculous. But that is not my favorite thing of the movie. My favorite thing of the movie was Jax. I liked her. I liked um, that she didn't die. I thought she was going to die in yeah. the beginning when they were doing the bus and then the feds came in and interrupted that i expected her to be a casualty there and for him to be like on a rampage for killing his partner um so i was i was happy that she survived and i liked when she was putting well sort of putting it all together just like okay i'm gonna go like he gave her an assignment so she works on it um i guess it's kind of part about family although i don't know that nico deserves it he no. had a lot of people who were very loyal and dedicated to him. So there's mm-hmm. her, and then there's the other cop who's, I don't know if they're actually related, but basically like family. And yeah. they both end up in slings in the end. So <laughs> wearing arm slings when they come in to help him when he's like exhausted after being injected with true serum and fighting off the bad people. But like, I just I appreciated that these friends were like ride or die, right? Even so, though their friend is crazy, but crazy. Yeah, their dad is back. That's what it's all about. Back to blue. Yeah, it's all about the family. I was also very confused because I didn't understand when the white FBI guy became an ally. So when the senator is like when Simmons is like in the very last like. Um, action part and he's like passing out and the two cops are with him and the senator comes out and the that fbi guy is like we don't know exactly what's happening right now but let's get you somewhere safe i'm like don't go with him right. don't go with him yeah. i was like i missed i missed when he became the safe person yeah. to like deliver the senator safely trustworthy at some point yeah i i missed it i don't know 
Oh, man. So was this movie influential? For sure. For sure. Yeah, I think it, I think it, and this is no, not even joking. I think when we saw a surge of different types of, of movies in the, you know, late to early 2000s, Taken comes out and it's a different kind of movie, right? Mm -hmm. Liam Neeson is, isn't jumping off of bridges. He's not born. He's not Bond. He's like an older guy trying to get his daughter back. So he's doing older guy things. And so I think it, it, it gave people the idea that like your heroes can come in all shapes and forms and they don't have to be, you know, muscle bound guys with huge guns. They can be other people. And it also gave us Seagal. Yeah. Um, also above the law, that uh, phrase was being used quite a bit a couple of years ago. So yeah. I laughed and was like, oh yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I would say influential. Yeah, influential for sure. All right. Are you ready to rate it? I'm ready. 1988, Steven Seagal, Above the Law. Is it a classic or are we past it? Oh, it's definitely a classic. <laughs> oh my God. Classic. Oh my God. <laughs> action. It's got everything. It's got drugs. It's got guns. It's got corruption. It's got the Vietnam War. It's got the FBI. It's got crooked police. It's got religion. It's got a hundred different plot points that don't make any sense. It's got also the action. You've got like clear dummies. Clear like, we're just throw this dummy out the window. <laughs> yeah, the window scene. Yeah, clear like stunt doubles and dummies. Yeah, they go all in. Oh my god! When he's on top of the car, and he's like choking the guy from. He punches the, through the window and grabs the guy by his neck. <laughs> what are you doing? What are we doing? Oh my god! It was so funny. <laughs> and then he's the guy like stop the car. Point. Like at least like go fast and stop, so he like flies off or something. I was like, yeah. this is just. Yes, it's a classic. It's a classic for the sake of you have to watch it. Like, you, gotta watch it. you just gotta watch this. You gotta watch it. I agree. Um, so let's stick with the wonderful law enforcement from the 80s. And yeah. Turner Hooch. Let's do Turner and Hooch next. I don't really remember what it's about. I just remember Hooch and being I like, I can't do big dogs. No idea what it's about. I totally forgot. So we'll, I'm in for a treat. Yes, we're in for a treat. Uh, next episode, when Tim, what will we be? We'll be back. <laughs> <laughs>